Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Inflation may finally be cooling, but prices at the shelf remain significantly higher for most products than a year ago, and certainly since pre-pandemic, leading to widespread food insecurity in the U.S. and prompting consumers, retailers, and brands to make different decisions about purchasing, merchandising, and marketing. According to a report released this week by consumer research platform Attest, roughly 60% of Americans are struggling to afford food as price hikes to offset inflation limit what and how much they can buy and where they shop. Recognizing that many consumers feel squeezed and facing volume shortfalls as a result, CPG makers and retailers are rethinking their marketing strategies with some opting for more promotions and others playing a long game and holding prices steady, even if that means they might lose market share in the short term. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, a test chief commercial officer, Todd Fellerman, shares insights from the consumer research company's report published September 13 called Facing Up to Food Insecurity, a guide to changing consumer behavior for F&B brands and retailers. He explains who is struggling to afford food, how this impacts their shopping habits and loyalty. He also shines a light on how people across socioeconomic and regions approach cooking in the current economic environment and what they're looking for from brands as they balance both their budgets and increasingly busy lives. And finally, he offers tips for attracting and maintaining consumers in the current landscape. So according to data released last week by the Labor Department, U.S. consumer prices for food consumed at home ticked up 0.2% in August over the prior month, a touch slower than the 0.3% month-over-month increase in July, but a reversal from the slight decline to flat rates month-over-month since February. These numbers, while still not where most would like them to be, are far lower than the double-digit year-over-year increases of last summer, suggesting that the economy is slowly recovering as commodity costs and inputs moderate slightly. But, as Fellerman notes, there is a lag in the response to inflation across the landscape, including in consumers' paychecks and the prices that they see on store shelves. What we've seen overall is inflation going up over the past few quarters, it has tempered, and and that's generally as a macro uh, sense, a positive. What's interesting though, that we found within more of the grocery and food and beverage space is that for businesses, as you've seen some of the prices go up and therefore naturally inflation for folks, they've tested and try to keep those prices at those levels to in some sense, um, maintain prices, hopefully maintain some healthy profit margins in some senses, maybe healthier profit margins. But we're also noticing there tends to be a lag effect. Uh, I think the whole economy and labor economy within the US is one that's probably changing faster and has so much volatility in it, as we all know, uh, and we're seeing every day even coming back to work mandates. um, You know, are we giving folks raises at the same uh, rate of inflation? I think the answer there generally has been still no. We're having this debate over, is this a, an employer versus an employee economy and, and different companies in different countries even, and different leaders have different takes on that. 
But I think at the end of the day, where overall inflation feels like it's slowed down, uh, we've seen that when it comes down to paying at the pump, paying at the grocery store, a lot of consumers are still struggling. On the whole, people are having to make those hard choices. Fellerman says for grocery shoppers, those hard choices often center around less quantity and lower quality of food. We're tending to find, to see is a lot of folks are shopping less. Uh, so whereas maybe the main shopping per grocery store is once a week, we're noticing people, that is still the main frequency where people are shopping at the grocery store, but we're noticing a lot more people are struggling to even get there once a week. And so when they're buying, they're buying overall over a period of time less. Uh, and so they're trying to spread that out. That is tough, right? They're seeing that their dollar is not going as far at that register, and they're trying to find ways to do so. Um, one other interesting thing we found within the research actually speaks to the fact that nutrition for certain folks in certain segments of the U.S. is becoming less and less of a thing because they're saying, I don't want to look at nutrition. I'm trying to just find a way to keep that food on the table in its most frequent way possible. And so maybe nutrition is less of a priority for me right now versus cost is going to be the driver in some of those shopping habits. And so when we look at this, it feels like there's a little bit of a disconnect with maybe wages and jobs for folks versus their ability to then pay at the register and fill those baskets with something that would be robust and nutritious and healthy over time. And so I think it's going to be a kind of still a roller coaster over the next few quarters, if you will, in terms of when we look at wage growth and inflation uh, versus the actual cost uh, for a lot of food and beverage and CPG. While well, attests research shows the impact of inflation and higher grocery prices is hitting consumers across the board, with less than half of the population reporting they can comfortably afford food, Fellerman notes that the brunt of the impact is falling on Gen X and less affluent shoppers. Tending to still see the wealthy and affluent being clearly, I would say, less if not unaffected by a lot of these changes. But when you cut generationally, it actually is interesting. Uh, you're starting to see, you know, where you wouldn't before. I don't think people would jump to this. You know, Gen X is a generation. I would say it's an in-between generation with all the technology and maybe the new jobs that millennials and Gen Zs might be getting. The boomers who are maybe on their um, early retirements or retired and had a lot of that uh, banked, maybe from good jobs, uh, different saving habits, uh, houses, and a lot of equity in homes and the like, but you're finding this kind of in-between generation of Gen X uh, struggling quite a bit. Uh, and that was something from the research that was very interesting to find. We're also finding even those that are less affluent, as we spoke uh, a little bit earlier, uh, tending to have make more, more of those harsher decisions, right? Is it the piece around calories versus nutrition? And you're seeing that come across more often. And the fact that it's just less frequent. Uh, it also is interesting just from a regional perspective with the United States that the South and the West are two regions that tend to be more impacted uh, than say the Midwest and the Northeast as well. And so we're seeing some of these struggles in some of these areas, uh, whether it is generationally, whether it is socioeconomically, or whether it's regionally, um, people struggling. Based on these findings, Fellerman advises brands and retailers to tailor their marketing and promotional efforts regionally and generationally. For example, a test suggests in the report that millennials, who have the highest shopping frequency, are most responsive to in-store promotions, 
while more affluent shoppers who are willing to visit multiple stores to find deals will respond well to coupons. One of the conclusions I made myself after reading this research is it just speaks even more to the fact if you understand your consumer, whether it is through loyalty cards, whether it's online shopping, which, you know, luckily Amazon does in droves, but all the major retailers now do in droves, you can present the right kind of promo to the right kind of folks. Uh, For example, we're noticing, you know, men tend to be uh, shopping a little bit less and maybe going to take out more, right? So if you're going to be someone that's going to be focused on takeout, um, how do you get in front of men in the the right way in terms of targeting? When it comes down to retailers, uh, you have to start looking at uh, the different ways to target those folks. And when you think, hey, if this is someone that falls within the Gen X, maybe you have to be a little more promo heavy there uh, versus maybe someone in more affluent or baby boomer uh, segments. And so those are the ways to say, how do we make our promos go further, right? So there's higher redemption and a higher usage of that. But also, frankly, and I, I sound like an altruistic business leader, but it's also doing the right thing. You're reaching the customers that have more of that need. So where those promos go further um, is very important. Fellerman notes that the silver lining for grocery stores and CPG brands from consumers tightening their food budgets is that more people are cooking at home and cooking from scratch, creating opportunities for retailers and manufacturers to engage with shoppers around the joy of cooking. We actually see the cooking at home to be something that almost every stripe of an American, socioeconomically, regionally, are doing. And that is, uh, I think, a positive in some sense, at least when I think about togetherness uh, and just a positive human and American thing to do, which uh, I think we're always been on the go. And we still are, of course, a technology on the go culture. Uh, but if coming home, learning digitally how to cook, learning from those recipes, one thing I, I kind of laugh I'm a huge fan of Joy of Cooking, the the uh, cookbook and recipe book. Sorry, no more Joy of Cooking. It's much more digital these days. It's much more video. It's much more TikTok uh, in nature. But uh, regardless of how one's consuming how to cook, it's great that they're learning. And it's great to see their passion for food and cooking at home is still there. So it could mean that they're saving a couple of dollars, but it also means hopefully that food is going further and they're spending more time as a family together. I, I was a little bit shocked by this. All almost all generations and of, of all ages feel like they have time to cook at home. Uh, and the one uh, generation that feels like they're really struggling to find that time to cook is Gen Z. And that I thought was interesting because for me, you know, with them running around and having much more of a flexible work environment these days, I thought that they would be maybe ones that would um, have more time, but they've absolutely said with 30% of them saying they struggle uh, for time, uh, they're the ones as Gen Zers most pressed for time to cook at home, whereas the rest of generations do have time to do so. And in fact, some with that time have you know said how much they love to cook. Right, millennials actually, and I, this was a big stat for me: forty-eight percent of millennials said they love cooking. Uh, they love cooking at home. They love inspiration. And so, when you think about that, if I round it up to say forty to fifty, but half of millennials uh, are finding that they love cooking. Some of the younger generations and also Gen Z also like prepared foods, right? So when you think about things like prepared foods and on the go, that could be much more wise to target and reach, say, the millennials and Gen Zs to have higher proclivity to purchase. Fellerman says one of the best ways for retailers and food brands to tap into consumers' joy of cooking 
is through digital recipes and video tutorials on platforms like TikTok to teach consumers how to use products and make enjoyable meals at home. Not all brands do this. Uh, some do it, especially some of the like McCormick's of the world and the spice um, companies of the world. They're much more about the recipe, right? Even some of the protein companies in the world, like the Tysons, um, they're saying we are a protein that are part of an inspirational overall recipe, even dairy as well. They're very recipe focused. I think that's going to do well for them in time to get that higher share of voice of their products in consumers' hands. Uh, and so I think you have to think about being aligned with recipe content a lot more. And that's also where you're wondering, why are a lot of these companies going more towards video, getting more towards inspiration? Recipe is that, right? Going home with your family and cooking, uh, all the influencers within cooking and recipes is critical for all these brands to be surrounding around because that is the moment when you say more people are going home comfortable, feeling inspired about cooking. How can you try to make sure that hopefully your brand, your category is more within those influencers' trends or within those influencers' recipes? So I, I think it's a mix of who you're aligning with marketing-wise, what channels you're in, and then a mix of you know being more digitally forward in in store forward, say with older generations versus younger generations. So it is a, a wide mix uh, in terms of how you're trying to do that. But again, I always go back to understand your audience, know where they're cooking, what's inspiring them, and then meet them where they want to be met. Um, perfect example you probably wouldn't want to do is say we do a whole um, baby boomer uh, push that's all digital within TikTok for you know, prepaid uh, or pre prepared foods, right? Um, that wouldn't make any sense because they're looking for prepared foods. They have more time. They tend to have more money. Therefore, they want to find the finer ingredients. So you'd be at a perfect mismatch. On that note, Fellerman also cautions brands and retailers to make recipes accessible, not just from a technical standpoint, but also a financial one, which might mean incorporating ways for consumers to stretch a meal or prepare something that's nutritious, but also affordable. He also recommends brands diversify where they advertise and offer promotions as a head nod to consumers shopping across channels and buying food in places where they previously might not have shopped. To learn more about how the economy is influencing consumer behavior and how retailers and brands in turn should adjust innovation and marketing strategies, visit askatest.com and check out the full report released this week, Facing Up to Food Insecurity, a guide to changing consumer behavior for F&B brands and retailers. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week. <laughs>